0: Thanks a lot, uh, Dr. Subramanian. It's a pleasure to have you on this podcast series. Thank you for inviting me as well. Um, So, to start off with, uh, the type of work that you do is very interesting, simply because the the variety of projects that your firm is engaged in is uh, very, uh, what I would say is engaging in one sense, and interesting, uh, because... You get to work on tools, and then you see how those tools are actually being applied across different applications in the emerging technology sector. So having said that, uh, you know India is in the cusp of uh, coming up with blockbuster technologies or molecules related to different industries, where do you think uh, India is at the moment related to the contract research type of work that you do think. India is in a very nascent stage.
1: Um, I like to compare it with where IT was, perhaps in the 1970s to 1980s. And there were a few companies who had a vision saying that India could become a destination for IT. So I like to look at it as an opportunity in that sense, say that because India is nascent in terms of contract research, and, and I would further qualify to say real research, in the sense, research that is directly applied to a product, right? And because India is nascent, I'd like to say that I think it's a great option because the market size is phenomenal globally mm-hmm. and in India. And uh, one company like us is not going to be able to do this. I think we need a host of people who can complete the R&D ecosystem in India. And truly provide such services and eventually make India uh, take India to the level where it's viewed as a
0: destination for
1: research. Very good, Very
0: good. Thanks a lot. So that draws my attention to the type of uh, projects your company gets to work on or the type of engagement that clients would like to. So, we normally just take project level engagements
1: and, and being uh, a mid-size company small or big, we are very flexible in terms of the engagements. So, just like research itself is highly custom to the client, uh, different, different industries have a different uh, view of how they want to get their research done. There are certain clients uh, who are very open-ended, certain clients who are extremely process-driven in research. Um, just like that, uh, engagement also varies, right? But typical engagements are where we use the body of experience that we have to estimate what would be the timeline, what would be the resources it takes to get a certain project done, even though we have no clue as to what is, is truly involved in completing this, right? But experience tells us. And based on that, we, we, uh, core timelines deliverables commercials etc and we have a, we have a very clean model of the intellectual property where we assign all of the IP to the client because we want a clean brick and and we believe that that's what will enable clients to consider outsourced research in a more effective manner so that's uh, always a part of our engagement so we tell people that uh, you pay for the research. Look at us as an extension of your own research lab all the IP is yours just like you would have it anyway when you have your own employees working this. Very good, very good. Right. so a true extension of people's uh, captive research facility
0: and a more a very seamless interaction between teams very interesting point you said uh, that you are almost working as an extension of any other companies already uh, so what uh, percentage of, 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 of your projects Relate to incremental innovation and what is it that, that you work with? Are the game changers perhaps and the second part to it is are these Early stage TRL levels or late stage TRL levels.
1: Okay, so uh, The word R&D has the R and the D, right? So we like to think of the R as the early stage uh, TRL levels and the D as the later stage. And I think for an industrial R&D lab like us to be truly effective, we have to offer both the R&D. So, yes, we start with the R portion, where people come to us with next generation requirements because these solutions are simply not available to purchase in the marketplace. So it has to be organically developed. Um, I would say about 70 to 80% is of incremental innovation, but still very profoundly innovative. So in other words they have a product but there's an enhancement that's required. Mm-hmm. An, an innovative enhancement that will make it a differentiator and enhancement could come in many different ways uh, it could be uh, technical it could also be commercial a uh, cost out project sounds very commercial but uh, if it's happening through technical innovation, right and which is how you can actually get very large cost outs. that that is also something that we do because that's very much in the research side Right. But then we also tried in saying that we take it all the way to the deep part, right. part. Where the supply chain is important, the cost is important, the reliability of the uh, component of the system is important. Right. And all of this also has to be kept in mind in the research phase. Absolutely. So that it's not an afterthought.
0: Correct. It's very interesting kind of outcome. So you, just to sum up uh, the whole thing and to kind of put in perspective what we have, Talent associated with it. You said that we are riding on the wave very similar to what the IT waves are uh, since the 80s. I know we have uh, an ecosystem of a number of colleges, institutes, uh, a lot of government initiatives. We've seen successful launches of spacecrafts. Uh, So there is a lot of investment that's happening in science and technology. Uh, What is your opinion of the talent pool that's available in India that can facilitate? Emerging technologies coming Uh, out of India? Um, I think uh,
1: India has a fantastic and a very diverse talent pool as well. And diversity is a strength for us. And even within India, there's a lot of diversity, and we should exploit that because diversity encourages variety in terms of thinking. Um, The only thing I'm trying to do, and I would request to the government and all parties involved in the ecosystem, is to find a way to come together right so we are very good at generating ideas but how do we actually come together in terms of academic institutions industrial r&d labs government r&d labs and government's own funding mechanisms and government's own uh, consumption which is the defense etc um, how do how do we all come together in terms of a single ecosystem mm. right now i think it's a little scattered okay i think if we can all merge that ecosystem i think it will be very hard to or someone outside to penetrate
0: that. So we can be very successful doing that. So, (laughs) lastly, I want to draw your uh, kind of uh, attention on what you had earlier said, related to intellectual property, uh, that you transfer the IP to the organization. Uh, See, for any economy to develop, you need to have an innovation centric investment. And that means you need to call for stronger IP laws. Uh, what's your view of uh, the IP ecosystem, in India specifically? Uh,
1: I think the IP laws are pretty strong. Uh, how much it is, it has been explained to the public, I'm not very clear. Because very often when we meet people, people who are ambitious in terms of doing research, they're not fully aware of what is involved in terms of IP. What are the negatives, what are the positives, what it can do for them. Uh, the awareness, I think, is a little lacking. Mm-hmm. I think legally we are pretty strong. Uh, and if the government, or, or even I think it's a joint responsibility to all of us to, to educate the public at large in terms of how powerful something like IP is, right? It's essentially monetizing brain power, right? And um, if we can do that, I think the IP regime will be much more powerful.
0: Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Uh- Dr. Subramaniam, it's a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It. Thanks. Thanks.